sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, December 11th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I am the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. And as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, with me, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we will fundamentally put the fun and functional sports content. Kev, we had Thursday night football, and it was an important game, especially in the Sports Grid universe, based on all the positions (laughs) that were were taken, but nobody talked about Cam Akers and his ability to ascend as a rookie running back in the back half of the season. Oh, wait a second, Kev. I think both of us here on this show did talk about that. And (laughs) what do you know? 29 carries, 171 yards. I know there's a lot of conversation about the quarterback of the Rams, but Cam Akers and the Rams defense was enough to completely stifle the New England Patriots. It's the Rams get a win. They go to nine and four, 24 to three. And to be quite honest, it didn't really feel that close. It felt like the Rams had this one in hand with their run game, with their defense pretty much throughout. You know, the Cam Akers performance was fantastic. What was really interesting at halftime, he had uh, 11 carries on 89 yards and his over under right before that Rams first drive of the uh, second half was going to get underway for a live rushing total was at 117 and a half. And I was like, no way, that's got to be. I mean, you needed 29 yards to get there. And he complained. Not only he started a chug, 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 and then he ripped off a 25-yard rush and he flew over the number on the very first drive and ultimately lands on 171. It was a fantastic performance and it was one that you know it, it made me feel good about everything that I had said about Cam Akers during the preseason. I mean, Cam Akers is, was came out and was the guy, and then he got hurt, and now. He's the guy with distance. I thought, actually, that they would start to ease up a little bit, Dane, on the workload right. for Cam Akers. Yeah. Like, listen, he's already ran Get a little Henderson times. in there. Right. And I'm like, you have two running backs that you trust in Henderson and Malcolm Brown. But I actually feel like, Dane, this was a message sender to this team, to this running back room, that it's Cam Akers' backfield with a lot of distance. Yeah, listen, that's fair. I remember, ever since Todd Gurley had that degenerative knee stuff going on, it was Gurley who was the engine of those Rams teams when they were like the greatest show out there, when the McVay offense was so amazing. You know, that, again, Kev, needing to have Gurley or the run game allowed McVay to do a whole lot of other stuff with Woods and Cup and stuff like that. And then in that following year, right after the Super Bowl, I fundamentally believe what teams were able to realize was that Gurley was not the same guy and so that element wasn't as strong and now the Rams for years in a row 
have tried to address that in the draft, right? Two years ago with Henderson, last year with Akers, needing to get that element back. They certainly did it on the other side. The Rams' defense was strong. We view this as one of the top five defenses in the league. The Patriots could only muster 220 yards of offense. They sack Cam Newton six times and only give up three points. As we welcome our radio audience from around the country, around the globe, big shout out to all the affiliates. It's Kev, Rams defense, running game, having the ability to potentially win with offense different ways. There are weeks where Goff throws for 300, 350. They show they can do it this way. We've seen that their defense can make plays. This Rams team is starting to round into form and look relatively complete as we head into December in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess that's going to be the one thing that'll hold me back uh, a little bit on them is what the offense is going to bring to the table. It's a game script that worked absolutely fantastic for them. This is what they want. For anybody that knows, again, the big sticking point of the week was Jared Goff. 16 of 25, 137, a touchdown and a pick, and he did have the QB sneak as well for a, ru- for a rushing touchdown. I-, I feel pretty good about everything that we said. I mean, he was largely irrelevant in the football game. He just that, and that, and that's okay. That's how the Rams are trying to win games this year, though. It, it not all that dissimilar from the Patriots. Now the Patriots stuff is stark, and the final tallies that Cam Newton will finish with are jarring at times and certainly distressing to myself. But ultimately, this is what the Rams want to do. This is what the Rams want to be. They get to a point in the game where they go out. Ah, we don't need to score anymore. I mean, Jagger Goff had thrown the ball 22 times going into that fourth quarter, and there was a live player prop of over under 27 and a half. And I said, oh, I've seen this movie before. I said, he might not throw again. Ultimately landed on 25. This is what they want to do. They want to throttle down and just run the football and go home. And they'll catch you on the other side of this. Quickly, as far as this Patriots team go, because maybe people are thinking, oh, Kev, you must be. No. They went to L.A. I never thought they were going to win this game. Everyone knows. We all got backed into a corner on this game. Nobody needed to kind of do their previews for this spot with all of the arguments and disagreements that have been had on this network. But I've said countless times, I think very, very highly of this Rams football team. Dane, we closed out the show yesterday. I said I like Goff to throw a pick, and we both lean towards the under. So as far as the Patriots go, no, I don't think that this means that they're an awful football team because they lost to a team that is going to be priced as one of the NFC truest contenders and came away with a split in their double up in L.A. There's Kevin applying the context again when it comes to those New England Patriots. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to look at, you know, what does this mean for the Patriots vis-a-vis the AFC? And then we'll start to preview some of the other games of Week 14, sticking in the AFC, you know, with teams that will still be on Steve's playoff graphic come next week because I don't know if the Patriots will be, but we'll talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Thanks for getting up on the grid. Kevin and I looking back at Thursday Night Football where the Rams kind of, you know, continue to show that they have the elements they need, right? That defense only giving up three points. We know they have a run game now in the ascending rookie Cam Akers. You know, and Jared Goff, you know, call it a game manager if you want. But they managed the game to a 21-point victory. He's managing the Rams to a 9-4 and record. Let's talk about the Patriots on the other side. They fall to 6-7, and seven. and Kev, we've had fun with them 
vis-a-vis the playoff graphic, vis-a-vis what Cam mm-hmm. is actually be doing. They now have three games left. Talk to me about, you know, I guess, Kev, you know, when we started this whole thing, one of my points, I think it started in a week where the Patriots lost, and I was like, oh, you can put them to bed for the playoffs. And one of the things I even said is because they're not even the second-place team in their division. I remember saying mm-hmm. to you, let's not take them serious until they at least get where Miami is. That mm-hmm. hasn't happened. Miami is still on the playoff race. I do not believe New England still is. What do you see as the priorities, the outlook, the future for the Pats in the next three games? I know you have been a believer lever applying the context what are your thoughts on this patriots team now well it's it's going to be really again like this is the thing this was a, always going to be a difficult matchup i didn't i didn't yep. say oh the pats are going to be running the table here i mean if they would have won this game at, in la against the Rams and they would have swept like that would have been pretty wild to me at least so here they go they have three straight games all against the division at miami home versus buffalo and home versus the jets those are games that they can win and they can get to nine and seven. But the thing that we've also both acknowledged right over the course of these conversations, even if they ran the table and got to 10 and six, it might have not have been enough to get into the AFC playoffs this year. And nine and seven at this rate, Dane, almost looks like it definitely won't be enough to get into the AFC playoffs this year. The question is, I guess, how much do the Patriots believe that they need to continue to go out there and put their best foot forward towards the playoffs? One of the things that I know you believe is that Jared Stidham eventually is going to start a game for this New England Patriots team. I don't really think there's any purpose to that because I don't think he's the guy at all. And I think there might still be some questions about Cam. The Cam stuff has been fascinating. Obviously, the throwing totals and overall production is awful. But again, he never throws the football, which allows the yardage to stay low. And he's near the NFL lead in rushing touchdowns, which does have its value. I don't know if Bill Belichick has gone through this experiment and said to himself, hey, if we actually put, I don't know, one competent receiver out there, maybe we actually could put other elements of an offense together. I'm not 100% positive that this is going to be the only season Cam Newton plays in New England. I know for I know that Jared Stidham is not the guy for this team, though. All right, well, we will see. There are three weeks to find out. You mentioned that number one receiver. You know, remember, Julian Edelman has not been around for the Patriots for a long time. He's not your prototypical number one wide receiver, but definitely a threat that defenses will have to respect. Let's start talking about other teams that need to be respected in the AFC vis-a-vis the playoff picture. I think the biggest matchup of week number 14, I do believe, is the no longer undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers that are at real risk of losing two in a row because they have to now go to Buffalo. Buffalo is actually the favorite in this game at last check. One and a half is the point spread at last check. 48 is the total in this one. Kev, I remember telling you that I think that the Steelers defense is still strong, right? They are still number one in the NFL, giving up only 17.6 points a game. They still have the most sacks in the NFL. But I got to tell you, I think this is going to be a true test, a bigger test than the Washington football team was last Mm -hmm. week. This Buffalo Bills offense has been looking good. We saw what Josh Allen was able to do last week. And also the Buffalo Bills, Kev, they have the best 
third down conversion percentage in the NFL. They're converting third downs at a 49.5% clip. That's the best in the NFL. Those are the situations where the Steelers could use a dude like Bud Dupree. I think this is a bad matchup for the Steelers. I think they're going to proverbially go through a table on Sunday night football. I kind of like Buffalo. I think they are kind of smelling themselves, starting to round into form. And I unfortunately think the arrow is pointing the other way for Pittsburgh. They're still a great quality playoff team. But this one's going to be excited. And a one and a half point spread suggests that a lot of people see it the same way. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you've got two playoff teams here with such a tight spread usually lends itself to a game that we can at least be excited about. The results may vary. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints on Sunday Night Football. But I think this is just so fascinating, Dana. Somebody who I believe would be considered low on the Steelers relative to most earlier on. I mean, the wave that the Steelers have been hit with uh, is unbelievable. Nobody believes in this team anymore. I was doing uh, in-game live with Mike the other week, uh, or the other day, rather. And I said, I think, Mike, people believe in uh, my team as much as your team to win a playoff game this year. Hmm. He goes, yeah, it certainly is starting to seem that way. So Buffalo enters this game playing really well. Pittsburgh enters this game playing really poorly. But I think you could very well be looking at a number that is so drastically different from where the look-ahead line was. I have to pause, and I have to think to myself, did the book always want to drop the Steelers' numbers because they saw it similarly to me, that maybe they weren't as good as the record said to itself? Or is this one wild overreaction from two teams that both played on Monday? I struggle with this game quite a bit. I truly do. I think I actually, crazy enough, might lean towards Pittsburgh because maybe this point spreads an overreaction. Maybe it's not enough. Maybe the numbers should be higher because Buffalo, at, you know, Pittsburgh's maybe starting to get peeled back a little mm. bit. But I do like the over in this football game. I think yeah, the Bills can score, and I think the Steelers will be able to answer the bell as well on the offensive side of the football. I think 48 might be a little light. Yeah, I'm with you. When you said the number was low, you were referring to the spread. I thought you were going to refer to the total. Mm -hmm. I am with you. I would go over this number before picking a side in this one. Buffalo has been putting up points. We know what the Steelers can do. I can see this as a kind of shootout at the OK Corral between Josh Allen and Big Ben, who would be Mm -hmm. completely happy to do that. You know I mention the term all the time, Kev, of the fantasy herd as well. And Pittsburgh continues to be a herd. Check this out, Kev. Juju has seven or more catches in his last two games. Deontay Johnson has eight or more catches in his last three games. Chase Claypool leads rookies with eight reception touchdowns, right? Mm. Oh, and by the way, right now, Eric Ebron in fantasy is tight end five for this season. Okay, so all of them are there. You do it, what you do is you get the Shepherd and Big Ben. Josh Allen continuing to be awesome. Remember his huge game last week. You know, though, that he came in in the same class with, you know, Lamar Jackson. Since then, we've had Kyler Murray, Cam Newton as well. You know, since that class came in, though, with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen and his 23 rushing TDs, is the most by any quarterback in that span. Okay, so since they both came into the league, he has more rushing touchdowns than, than, than Lamar. 
than Kyler, than Cam, than any of these guys. That is a definite feather in Josh Allen's cap. One of the reasons why he might be one of those quarterbacks you pick over Jared Goff, let's say. You know, there's another thing. We don't want to fully talk about it because it's Monday night football, but Baltimore and Cleveland, Kev, in just a minute we have left here before we go to break. Think about how that game is going to position itself in this AFC wildcard race as well, right? If the Patriots are sort of falling by the wayside, you know, one of these two teams are going to get a loss. We talk about, you know, the Chiefs and the Dolphins playing against each other. The Colts and the Raiders are playing against each other. Talk to me about the Browns and the Ravens, especially from the perspective of the damn Ravens. They have to kind of win this game to Mm -hmm. keep pace, right? I think for Baltimore, again, if you look at their final three, they're going to be above touchdown favorites in all of them. So they will be heavily favored to win those games and still get to double-digit victories. But this is, of course, a big game for them because they don't want to mess up the momentum that they build against Dallas. Again, I know it's the Cowboys, but I thought that still the the watching it all play, I liked what I saw from Baltimore. And if they can continue that and carry it over here, this is a big game. At Cleveland, and it's a big game for the Browns. You know, the, the Browns mm-hmm. are not going to have to compete for their respect every week, but this team obliterated them week one. It'd be good for them to, at the minimum, keep it competitive. Yeah, absolutely. That will Monday Night Football be a matchup of the number one and number two run games in the NFL. You know, I like that. We'll talk more AFC when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. All right, here to the early line, giving you the edge. Big shout out to all of our affiliates who are joining the fun as we fundamentally put the fun in functional sports content and try to get you ready for week 14 of the NFL season. We're talking about AFC playoff contenders, and you have to consider the Chiefs one of them. The question is, do you consider their opponent in week 14 one of them? The Kansas City Chiefs will be traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins. The Chiefs will be road favorites by a full touchdown 50 and a half is the uh, total for this one we all know about the Chiefs offense right Patty Mahomes leading the league in passing he's gone for a hundred rating in his last seven games in a row we know about Tyreek Hill who's gone with over six catches over 50 yards in his last six he has 13 receiving touchdowns I believe that is tied with Adam Thielen for the lead lead we know about Travis Kelsey who leads the league among tight ends in receiving he may even lead the entire league in receiving these guys are putting absolutely otherworldly efforts out there week in week out my question for you kev is is this miami defense which has looked good which is second best in the nfl in terms of points per game allowed only 17 points per game are they ready for what's coming their way this sunday down there in hard rock i think we're gonna find out here's the deal with this game dane it's uh it's a little frustrating here. The Kansas City Chiefs have now not covered in four straight football games. Right. The Miami Dolphins this year, 5-1 and one against the number at home, 5-2 and two against the number as an underdog. Tua in his five starts has covered four of those games. Yep. I got to take the Chiefs. I know. I know. It's a bunch of numbers that say you're supposed to take I know. the Dolphins. I know. But, like, a home dog, a home dog of a touchdown, a, yeah. a touchdown dog that's eight and four. 
Right. I mean, they, they, there's a lot. Well, the second of best defense here. in the NFL. <laughs> yep. There's a whole bunch of things here that tell me One I am supposed start, to man. take these points. Yeah, you better believe it. You better believe it. I just think the Chiefs have one of their big games. I hmm. just fundamentally believe that they're going to go out there and have one of their big performances. I look at their last two performances. They scored 27 against Tampa. They had 17 points in the first quarter. Throttle down time. Against Denver, they moved the ball no problem. They settled for field goals because they knew Denver wasn't going to be able to match them. They kicked five field goals. 18 was more than enough to get the job done. They ultimately scored 22 in that game. I know how good Miami's defense has been. I believe that Tua... And that offense is going to struggle to score the football. I just don't, I just have not believed in what I've gotten from them. And the big thing that they've relied on is these big splash defensive plays. Right. Well, luckily for the Chiefs, they don't typically allow those. They make you pay with splash plays of their own. No, I agree with you. You know, the Dolphins have been doing it in that way, right? The defense, even the special teams, right? And I just don't think that necessarily happens with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are plus 11 in the turnover margin. You know, Patty Mahomes is not giving you extra attempts, extra bites at the apple. And, Kev, I'm also with you in terms of everybody may want to see this Chiefs offense against this Dolphins defense, right? That may be the matchup on the marquee. But I think where the Chiefs could also make hay is defensively in this matchup. The Chiefs are now, you know, not as much as the Saints, right, have changed their fortunes, but the Chiefs are a top 10 defense right now, okay? And that's people – people don't want to believe in that. And I also be- agree with you, Kev, that this Dolphins offense under Tua is not exciting, is not dynamic. He's been a game manager. They actually – the Dolphins only averaged thir- 319 yards a game, Kev, and that is fifth worst in the NFL, right? So how will they keep up even if that defense can limit some – of what the ridiculous nature of Patty Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and I could name like three or four other guys that are legitimate yeah. concerns for any defense. So let's keep it moving. I can't interest you in the home dog in Miami. Can I interest you in the next home dog in a huge AFC playoff matchup? And that is the Indianapolis Colts, who as three-point favorites, Kev, will travel to Vegas to take on the Raiders. This one has AFC wildcard card eliminator kind of written all over this one here's what i think you know i mentioned this a ton turnovers kev watch out in a game that could be tight the colts are plus seven as a turnover margin the raiders are minus two remember Carr starting to cough it up a few times in that game two weeks ago in Atlanta. And remember, they, by the grace of God and the one-winged angel that dropped Mm -hmm. on them named Greg Williams got the job done against the Jets. It's not like the Raiders have been putting out great efforts. And remember, Kev, what do you know? Once again, could be tied to the fact that their all-pro Pro Bowl running back, Josh Jacobs, has been down. He continues to be nursing an ankle injury in this one. What stands out to you when breaking down this game? The number surprised me quite a bit. It's another number that has started to question what I think home field advantage is. And we're now, I'm saying that more often to the point, Dane, where I'm starting to wonder if books have pulled back on home field advantage and what it's mattering. Like one and a half instead of three? 
Well, because yeah, because Dan, if we just go off usual home field advantage rules, it says that the Colts are six points better on a neutral field in Vegas. And if this game was in Indianapolis, it'd be a nine-point right. spread. I don't think there's any world in which the Colts would be like nine points to the Vegas Raiders in Indianapolis. I don't see right. that. I don't know if you do, but I feel I like don't. that would be far I too many in, points. I think in Indy, this game would still be under a touchdown. I totally agree. I totally agree. Which means that this game in Vegas should be about a pick But it's a three-point spread. So that inherently is throwing me off. Not that I think it's a, 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 a fishy line or a trap line. It's, are we not factoring in home field in the same way that we were? And if that's the case where the book is no longer doing it, then Dan, I think, right, it would probably behoove us to ourselves no longer want to do it. But sure. I just want to say, because there's been a lot of people who have said, oh, home field advantage has not mattered. Well, I guess they don't work enough with the spitting statistician. Because all I hear from Dan is how much home dogs are getting the job done. And home all dogs of- have come in at a 59.7% mm-hmm. clip, okay? But that's against the spread, Kev, right? Let's well, not that, change that up. For sure. And what we're talking what about against the teams. Right, yeah. Yes, but straight up, guess what? Road teams are above 500 this year. Straight up. Mm. Road teams are above yeah. 500 straight up this year. They're winning at like 52%. I heard uh, I heard one of our guests say that on Coast to Coast. I think it was Adam Kaplan say that this week. It was surprising to me. But against the number is a completely different thing. And the home dogs are coming in against the number at 59%. Our guy Sports Grid Records would have that all the way up at the top <laughs> of the standings. So what do you think about this one? You want to bet the trend or you're like, no, nah, it won't work this time. No, but I just, but this is my thing with the, like, at the end of the day, if you're at home, you're usually getting less juice and they're still covering, which would suggest yeah. that home field advantage is mattering. So I'm just going to take the three points here. Maybe okay. it's a square play. And I don't know. This is the type of game that as we get closer to it, maybe there'll be some information that'll pop up and I'll see this game clairvoyant and I'll understand what's going on here. But this mm-hmm. just feels like too many points for the Indianapolis Colts to be laying to the Vegas Raiders. Fair enough. Remember, we also had this game earlier in the week, Kevin. Watch for the hook, if you remember, right? Because I'll tell you, I'm on the other side, Kev. I like the Colts in this one. Okay, I like the Colts in this one. I would love it at two and a half, though. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. Okay, so that's why we watch for the hook. The way I feel about this game, Kev, um, I think the Colts are built properly for this stretch run. I don't think the Raiders are. And that's what it comes down to me when I see these two teams kind of play, right? The Raiders have started to, you know, Derek Carr starting to turn the ball over. Their lead running back is a little compromised. He got in, I believe, a limited practice. We don't know what his availability will be. Remember, he didn't play in that last week. And for me, the Colts, I think they're figuring things out, right? T.Y. Hilton starting to have performances. Remember, they found Michael Pittman as someone they have found Naheem Hines as someone who, by the way, leads the team in reception still, who, by the way, is still getting rushing touchdowns. Naheem Hines, five touchdowns in his last three games. Don't forget about all 57 flavors of him. But I like the way they're built. They only give up. They give up the, the least amount of sacks in the NFL, right? They can mm-hmm. stop the run as a top five team. That's the way I think you need to be built as we start getting colder, as we start getting to the playoffs. I think I like the Colts in this one. And to be quite honest, if the Raiders drop this one, we saw the Raiders schedule, right? It doesn't get any easier. I think they'd have another matchup against the Miami Dolphins as well. So this is a huge game for the Raiders. I also believe it's a bigger game for the Raiders because 
The Colts have multiple paths to the playoffs, right? They could just still also outdo the Tennessee Titans. The Raiders aren't going to win via the division route to the playoffs. This is a huge game. I think it's a bigger game for the Raiders because of their one path to the playoffs and the fact that they're at home in this one. It's yeah. It, this is just it's a it's a huge game, no doubt about it. And I'll tell you what, some of the numbers back you up as well. The Indianapolis Colts this year have been really solid as a road favorite, four and mm. one against the numbers a road favorite. So uh, they've been solid in this spot. Vegas has been a home dog four times. They've split those games two and two in those matchups. I. Man, I just think the number is slightly disrespectful to the Vegas Raiders. That that's just, and I think if it was two and a half, Dane, maybe that would be enough to change my tune. Hmm. But the three feels so. Heavy. Buy the point and, and maybe, take the Colts. Buy the point and take the Colts. I probably just. The thing is, this is the or type tease of game, it to get them get the Colts. You know, it feels it feels good to tease the Raiders, doesn't it? Right. You okay. can buy them up if to nine like or ten if you're playing on a seven point teaser. Yeah, but. It's the type of thing, I just say, there's like a lot of times where you see a teaser, and when an option looks too good to be true, I like to take a big, deep breath. And this game has a lot of areas about it where I'm like, ah, this is a little too yeah. easy for me. So it's a game listen. that I lean Vegas, but it's tough. Yeah, and I lean Colts, but it's tough, and that's what's going to happen with two wild card contenders getting it going. One final note, don't forget about Darren Waller, who went off last week and is now second in the NFL among tight ends to Travis Kelsey in everything. More games to discuss when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin looking at the games for week 14, which is a huge matchup for a lot of teams. Playoff positioning on a huge matchup, I know, for a lot of you guys as the fantasy football playoffs likely get started in most league formats. Let's look at some of the NFC games. And honestly, you wouldn't have thought this one is a headline game, but it is the Arizona Cardinals will travel to MetLife Stadium to take on the first place Giants this is interesting on a number of levels because not only are the Giants in first place battling the Washington football team but if you look at these records right the Arizona Cardinals have sort of slid down recently allowing teams like Minnesota back into the fray but also think about it these NFC East teams are kind of back in the fray as it relates to the NFC wild card picture so first talk to me about this game you know I've been impressed recently by the Giants' defense, ironically. Mm. They're now fourth in the NFL against the run. You know, they're able to actually do some things. Wayne Gallman has been a revelation for this team. Daniel Jones, they expect to potentially be back coming off his hammy. Uh, Do you think the Giants keep it rolling? We know the Arizona Cardinals on the other side are sort of licking their wounds over the last couple of weeks. I just hope people understand what's at stake in this game. If the Giants win this game, they have the same exact record as the Cardinals. Yep. The the the, the once first place NFC West Arizona Cardinals. Yep. I mean, that is unbelievable, man. That that's where we are now. But I do think Arizona gets the job done here. This spread, yes, I mean, this spread's been a little odd, Dane. The other day it was one and a half, then it was three, then it was three. I don't know what's going on with this number. 
DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins did not practice, but they say it's going to be all right. Kenny Drake was limited, but they're saying it's going to be all right. So I'm going to go off hmm. the assumption of what the people are saying. Although if they miss both of those guys, I'd be a little more concerned. I'll tell you that for sure. But there's a couple of things here that make me want to back the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury, since he's entered this league, has been solid uh, on the road. 8-4-2 against the number. The Giants, this is just a weird one, Dane. They've been awful at MetLife against the spread. Like, just Mm, horrendous. They played 85 home games. They've only covered 34 of those games Hmm. at home. And last year, Kyler went to this building and got a win as a a three-and-a-half-point dog. There's just a couple of things here that line up historically for the Cardinals in this spot. I would love for this to be below the field goal, and I still am surprised we've we've not been able to get below this field goal. But I think Arizona wins this game, and I think then I would be looking for this to land somewhere within the three points. And I think Arizona maybe can finally get their offense right here. All right. Interesting. Like, I I caution against that because, like I mentioned, you know, the Giants have now moved all the way up to fourth in the NFL against the run. As we know, Arizona does rely on that run game, not only Drake and Edmonds, but Kyla Murray as well. The Giants also third in the NFL in takeaways. Okay, they have 20 turnovers going in their favor. So Kyla Murray better not try and do a little bit too much with that. You mentioned that with a win, the Giants would have the same record as the Cardinals. The Cardinals right now have the same record as the Minnesota Vikings for that seventh and final wild card spot. And I think we have their schedules up. We were looking at schedules of teams kind of going forward. I believe we have the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings schedule. If we have that, can we put that up right now? Because the Cardinals now, you think they may get this win on the road against the Giants. They have the Eagles and then two tough division games. The Vikings, who we're going to talk about next, they have a tough game that we're going to talk about here at Tampa, and then they go through the division. You also mentioned the Patriots have nothing but division rivals left. It seems like that's commonplace now for the NFL schedule makers. What do you think about the Vikings first vis-a-vis the Arizona Cardinals in their schedule, and then we'll dive into what may be their toughest matchup for the rest of the season, a date at Tampa Bay. Who do you think is kind of sitting in the catbird seat vis-a-vis the schedule with these Vikings and Cardinals. I understand there's other teams that are one game below them that could still complicate the picture. But with these Mm -hmm. two teams, we'll put their schedules up again. Um, Who do you think has the easier road to playoff positioning? Yeah, I think if you look at this just objectively, the Cardinals are going to be favored in three of their final four games, where the Vikings will only be favored in two of their final four games. And... That doesn't always mean you're going to be able to get there, but I think that lends itself to having the Arizona Cardinals schedule appear easier on the surface. And even looking at it, I I like Arizona's schedule a little bit more because I think they're going to get the job done here against the Giants. I don't think there's any two ways about it. If they lose this game against the Giants, it almost doesn't matter how easy the schedule looks the rest of the way, right? Because that means that they would then have lost, I think, five of six, and they would really, really be... They would drop below 500, even if Minnesota yep. lost. And, you know, you mentioned that they have a tough, tough matchup this week. Right. For Arizona to go from where they were to below 500 would feel quite disastrous. But I think that they do have the easier schedule relative to the Vikings.
No, that's fair enough. To me, the biggest elephant in the room there is Kyler Murray in the shoulder, right? I think a lot of people are saying that there's something up there. I wonder if we're going to find out in the offseason, you know, kind of how the fortunes change for the Arizona Cardinals with a hit uh, landing on the shoulder. The Minnesota Vikings, though, remember, the other thing with the Cardinals, if they lose to the Giants, to your point, they'll have the same record, right? So there's other contenders sort of coming their way. Minnesota has a tough game. You think they have kind of the schedule that may be a little bit tougher. Do you think they can get it done in Tampa Bay this weekend? The Tampa Bay Bucks are also one of the two teams coming off the late week 13 bye. And I know a lot of people, Kev, myself included, are interested to see what these Bucks team looks like after the bye, after they can self-scout themselves, after Brady and Evans can talk a little bit about what they're supposed to do with the zone coverages and blah, 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 blah. I'm excited for this matchup, though, because the Minnesota Vikings have been, you know, kind of very dynamic recently, right? We talk about the Chiefs offense and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Well, Kev, I mean, give me a combo that's been better recently than Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and the rookie Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's about to get, he got over a thousand yards. There are only five rookies in NFL history who have gotten over a thousand yards in the first 12 games of their rookie season. He is one of them. Adam Thielen has a touchdown in his last three. Dalvin Cook leads the NFL in scrimmage yards. This Vikings offense is putting up 389 yards a game. That's good for fourth in the NFL. The question is, will they be able to do that against this Bucks defense, especially the run defense, which is best in the NFL? Do you think the Minnesota Vikings offense can continue to roll or have the Bucks, you know, clean some things up over the bye and you think they're going to be poised for a stretch run? Let me ask you quickly. Do you think the Vikings were impressive that Monday night game against the Chicago Bears? Do I think they were impressive? <sighs> That's a relative term, but... No, they did what they had to okay. do. Because that was a game that you that we, you and I debated on, so I wanted to leave that up to you. Because the other sure. three are not debatable. They've looked horrendous in, since, for four straight weeks. Because it was the Bears game. They then lost at home to Dallas, which was outrageous. Miraculous comeback against Carolina, who still had their own shot at a game-winning field goal. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars take them to overtime. We've talked about this quite a bit here on this show. The all-time great ATS betting trend of Mike Zimmer at home, at a division. And that has proceeded to go 0-4 this year. And he's lost three straight opportunities that fit that trend. They have not covered the number. I've just been wildly on Like, yes, Dalvin, awesome production. Jefferson, incredible. Adam Thielen catches a touchdown every single time he is on the field. Kirk Cousins still is turning the football over, and they are entering against a Tampa Bay defense. Dane, let's let's call, like think about what teams have to do again. They have to throw the football. That, that's your only option is to throw the football. So if they make Kirk Cousins throw the ball forty-five times, what side do you want to be on? I know what side I want to be on. I'll also just throw out a little quirky thing here. I went back and I looked since two thousand and two. There have only been two teams that had a week 13 bye. So this week we have two teams that have a week 13 bye. Yeah. It was a Titans team that ended up getting a win and cover against the Denver Broncos. Those two entered that matchup, both over 500, solid game. It was a light spread. The Titans win by three. The other was a 0-12 Browns team that played the Cincinnati Bengals 
and they proceeded to not cover and not win the game. I feel like a week 13 buy would be pretty valuable. It's so deep in the season. It's a massive rest advantage over your opponent. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I cannot give you a massive historical trend over it because it's only yeah. happened twice over the last 18 years, and it's yeah. split because one of the two teams was an 0-12 Browns team that then went 0-13 and continue to lose more and more football games. But I do believe that a week 13 buy will be valuable here for Tampa Bay. I think it's helpful for Tampa Bay as well when you consider the age of their quarterback and the newness of some of the elements of their offense, right? Antonio Brown has been introduced into this offense, what, like three weeks ago? Oh, and by the way, he has seven or more catches in two of those three games. Chris Godwin getting pins removed from his hand. Mike Evans downgraded uh, across the practice report. So definitely something to watch for in this one. But you're right. You can't really run against these Tampa Bay Bucks. They're only giving up 74 yards a game i will want to see what dalvin cook does against this run defense when we're looking at the kind of teams in the nfc you're talking about how hard it could be if the cardinals don't get this win if the Vikings, it sounds like you think the cardinals may struggle the vikings may struggle the giants could get to you know six as well i give you the case of the washington football team kev because they are in this race and they have two paths to the playoffs right they are tied for first place in the nfc east albeit they don't have the tiebreaker against the g-men and they're only one game back of these two teams at six wins that have reasons to think that they may not make it to the finish line in great fashion talk to me about this washington football team kev for me this defense needs to be respected they give up the fourth fewest yards per game they have the third most sacks in the nfl you saw them pressure big ben you saw them handle that offense now talk to me about a different challenge that the san francisco 49ers offense may be because these Niners have gotten guys back, Debo Samuel, Raheem Mostert, Mm -hmm. critical pieces of their offense. But this Washington front and this football team defense has been strong, and the football team has plenty to play for, Kev. Yeah, listen, these teams have the same exact record. And again, if Washington gets the result that they're looking for here and they move on to 6-7, and you'd give them... You know, you would think that they'd be, at the minimum, able to just keep themselves the game back. That they are, if not, you know, tied up maybe for a seven spot. Also, if they go to six and seven, well, either they're going to have the same record as the Cardinals or they're going to go to first place in the division. So it's a massive, massive game for Washington. No doubt about it, Dane. I feel like we might be getting a little bit of a discount here, though, with the the 49ers. I, I think that this team can go out there and cover this number. People are constantly running the football against Washington because it can kind of negate that all, you know, all-world pass rush, except the Steelers because they're a bunch of maniacs who refuse to actually run the football ever because they think that their road to victory is 50 attempts for Big Ben. But I look at the Niners right now, and I think this is a team that's going to want to run the football. I think they can have some success running the football. And I'm not going to – see, this is where we kind of go back and forth here. Do I, you know, I think people gave them way too much credit for the Rams win, but I also think people might be slighting them a little bit too much for losing to Buffalo. Looks like we lost Dane's audio there. We'll we'll certainly uh, we'll sort that. My bad, out guys. My bad. My bad. The and way to beat Washington obviously is through the run, not throwing it, and the 49ers can run. We might see Ayuk and Samuel running as well. We'll talk about the football team some more when we come back to wrap up hour number one. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line as we finish up our number one. And, Kev, I think the bottom of the NFC playoff picture is really interesting. A lot of people, you know, kind of were all about the Arizona Cardinals about a month ago. But as they have fallen off a bit, you know, it brings teams like Minnesota into the fray. And as the Giants and the football team have sort of stepped up in the NFC East, it kind of brings them up to the same level as well. I want to put back up the graphic that we had for the football team and the Giants' schedule because both of these teams have multiple paths to the playoffs, either as the NFC division champion or maybe to fully catch up with the Vikings and the Cardinals. So let's look at those last three games, though, Kev, because, you know, Arizona, you know, the Giants play Arizona, the football team plays San Francisco. Both of those games have three point spreads. Those can kind of go either way on its face. When I see the Giants still with Cleveland and Baltimore, and then I see the football team with only Seattle. And then like Carolina and Philly, it feels to me that the football team has an easier road. However, they would have to get the one game lead because they lose the division tiebreaker Mm -hmm. to the Giants. Do you agree with me, though, that the football team has a somewhat easier path to say seven or even eight wins? Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Eight wins. Man, can you believe it? 500 uh, NFC East. Could you imagine after all that nonsense that we went through I could, with though. this division? I could see the uh, football team going 3-1 and one here. I could see that as possible. I really can. And, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I think that's totally fair. And you could see the Giants not winning any of their next three games. Again, they certainly will not be favored to win any right. of their next three football games. We, we know that, right? So... I agree with you. I think Washington does possess the easier schedule, but I I think what you said is also the most important piece of this puzzle is the Giants have that tiebreak over them. So everything the Giants do, Washington's going to have to double them, and that's what's going to make this really, really difficult on the Washingtons to get up there and take control of this division. Here's the thing, though, Kev. I don't think that's true because what if 8-8 and just the same as the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers and any other NFC team. If the football team does close three and one, eight yeah. might be enough to get two teams from the NFC East into the playoffs. They could lose a tiebreaker against the Giants, but have one against, you know, say the Cardinals and the Vikings. It'll be very interesting. We talked week 14 some more in hour number two of the early line. <laughs> 